Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where mustard. Catch up! There, yes, I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Um, I'm going to leave a pause in there just to show how long it took um, to get to that. I, you said I can't say ketchup anymore, so I didn't I, do it. I can't. And then I was like, what? I was like, oh! You can see how my brain is uh, fuzzed already. You said I wasn't just... allowed to. Um, today, Mm-mm. we have more, um, I guess it's a mustard episode. It's a ketchup episode. We're just talking about a bunch of stuff. Um, last time, it was a lot of like movies and like physical games and shows and stuff i feel like this time is more uh video games and like gaming stuff in general so you've been doing more D, right yeah i've been uh dming avernus on friday nights the descent into avernus and uh it's some some friends who i uh have in real life have in the offline world but we're doing it uh online and it's really fun to dm descent into avernus like it's uh totally different going through a hardcover like this than making my own like i had done i do with the geek to geek folks and it's just been interesting to see how the people i'm with change a campaign that uh we were uh, playing the other night and just things kept happening with them. And I'm like, I never would have thought about that. Okay. Like, it's just been fun. Like uh, my Friday nights have been getting to, to play D and D with them. And I'm hoping that I'm able to get in person with a couple of them uh, soon and be able to stream the, for one, like I could potentially see this turning into a, an every once in a while in person D and D game, which would be fantastic. Like, it's just something that I've been doing and prepping in the off, you know, in, in, I won't say in, in the off time, but uh, it's something that just keeps going on and on and is regular. And it's been so much fun that Avernus is a really uh, good hardcover to get into. But man, that first dungeon is way harder than it has any right to be. Like I accidentally uh, killed my entire party before I realized what happened. And then because I was the DM, I rewound time. And uh, made that not happen. Like, for real, like, I get in there and I didn't even think about uh, how many hit points they had. And I was just playing it. This is what that character would have done uh, in this situation. And so they burst in, blah, blah, blah. The character drops a fireball on them. Well, it killed all of them because it was a fireball. Whoops. And uh, it was a whoops. And then they're like, they're sitting there looking at me like, dude, well, you just killed us, like, actually killed us. And I was like, what? And they're like, that did over double the number of hit points I have. And I'm like, Oh, and then I looked and it was a much more powerful monster than I thought it was. And I was like, well, I'm going to rewind time. And rather than a fireball, that's going to be burning hands. And uh, that was much more level appropriate for, uh, for them. But like they built that, that character is in there as a room with that being able to, to do in a, it was a CR4 monster in a dungeon that is designed for level twos. And it was in a very small enclosed space. Like the room was like 15 by 15. It is not well thought out there. Um, if you're like me and uh, just be like, I'm not paying attention to numbers. What is this? A math game and uh, kill your entire party. <laughs> okay but it's it's super fun like it's a really fun one once i actually 
you know, grasped how many, like, I did not even think about how many hit points they had, but yeah. it was the first time I actually killed my entire party, uh, doing anything. And it's like, I intend to kill some of their characters, but like, I'm not going to hold back. But that one, when it was literally something I did just as a dumb, Oh, I'm going to just cast fireball on them. Nah, that I'm not going to kill them that way. It's going to be an actual, you know, you deserve to die kind of thing in a real fight. Not a, <laughs> you walk into a room, fireball, you're dead. Yeah. Kind of thing. But you've been playing but other yeah. tabletop stuff too, right? I have. We got uh, our friend Adam for his birthday, the Haunted Mansion board game. It's made by Funko. And like, I had a really good time with this. That uh, it's themed after the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland or Disney World. And I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but the art is really pretty. And we had a really good time learning how to play and uh, just laughing and going around playing it. So I, I can't recommend that one enough. I think it was like $25, $30 maybe, where it was fully affordable just to be a i'm gonna pick that up kind of game uh for most people and so i think that uh this one was definitely worth it and it's not a funko pop game so it doesn't have that same aesthetic that that they make some games have but it's just a good little board game that i wanted people to uh to know was out there if you're looking for something new and kind of quirky uh you can haunt your friends and it's fun sweet um I also got a backbone. Like, I'm not scared anymore. Um, the, no, um, I assume the, the backbone one, the controller peripheral that I yes. talked about a while ago. Yeah, I got it. Like, that's right. the one you have, too. Like, like yeah. you, you said that uh, for some reason, I was thinking you had the NVIDIA one. No, and, I have the backbone, uh, the one that it has, like, the hard dock into it, which I think yep. makes a world of difference. But, yeah, what do you think of it? I love this thing. Like I got it on a whim from an Instagram ad. And yes, I am one of those people that Instagram ads work on. And I saw it because it had came with three months of Game Pass Ultimate. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. And since they had now have a way for you to play play Game Pass games on iOS through their uh, web app, the website, not one that you download from the app store, that it works great. Like I've been playing games on my phone like a console without even thinking about it. Like games on Apple Arcade, both games that I had already bought, like Lego Star Wars uh, that I ended up buying, but ended up really getting frustrated at the controls. This takes that out. Like it is, it really does make my phone feel like a switch. The only problem that I really have with it is it doesn't work with cases very well. I yeah. have to take my phone out of the case to plug it in. That if they made the plastic dock where it is, uh, they've made it to be able to fit the phone but if they just made it a little bit deeper they it would have been able to to handle some of the cases and be just a little bit better but as it is having it take power from the phone itself and not need batteries to be plugged in uh and just work it's fantastic and i've played more games on my phone because of it than anything else like i don't even feel weird about taking it into the into the bedroom with me at night like i'm just yeah i'll play a game before bed and i have to worry about charging my phone or charging my uh switch or anything later it's like i just take this controller off and put it in the floor and go to sleep yeah it's like it's really cool like i like it a lot i've used it more than i actually expected to good so cool i so thought you'd good. like it yeah i like it a lot um 
on it, I was actually playing Minecraft Dungeons. I know you tried it a long time ago. Um, yeah. And were like, was like, yeah, it's fun. It's fine. Um, it's one that, that really grabbed me for some reason. Like that kind of just quick action RPG kind of, uh, I don't even want to say RPG, but that just kind of action dungeon crawler really uh, clicked. And uh, it's been fun because I think it's really pretty. Like I love the graphics in Minecraft, and I love the voxel pixelated uh, world that it has, but I don't like the game itself that much. And Minecraft Dungeons lets me see that stuff and uh, blow stuff up, but not deal with the stuff about Minecraft I don't like. So that was fun too. So I've been playing it, and it actually makes me want to build Minecraft Legos. Oh, like, interesting. Uh, makes me want to build Minecraft Lego sets uh, because of that, because of uh, liking how it looks uh, and seeing how some of the Lego sets are put together. It's like they look super simple and you don't like it's kind of like, why would I pay that much money for that like blocky thing there? It doesn't look like it takes that much. And then I look at like the instructions and how they're actually put together and engineered. And I'm like, oh, it takes a lot to make it look like that. Like, that is really, really well put together. So uh, it's made me actually want to get some of those just to have, because I've always liked them. I like that look, but I've never, like, I say like a lot. I've never actually enjoyed the game to appreciate what they're putting into those sets. And now I feel like I can do that more, and uh, I might end up buying a couple of the cheap ones to have around. So Minecraft Dungeons has... uh been fun to play with my backbone cool uh, on game plus game the on <laughs> xbox game pass nice that's awesome um, and uh didn't you oh, you were sorry. checking out one other game on game pass right um i actually this one's not on game pass uh i got yeah, a uh well i didn't play it on game pass oh okay uh well let me yeah let me put it that way i got a key from the developer uh on chris tales and it was an rpg i downloaded the demo of back over sometime over the summer maybe it was early spring uh when they they launched it it was an indie rpg that is side scrolling and lets you see the past future and present at all times and the puzzles revolve getting like jumping across the border of time to make something fixed in the past that will affect the future that you see. It's really interesting. Like I haven't decided whether or not it's something I'm going to stick through the entire game, but I like the combat and I like the puzzles enough that makes me want to keep pushing through for a while. And the game is gorgeous hand-drawn 2D animation that uh, I can't, I can't say enough good things about how pretty it is. Have you tried it since it's on Game Pass? Yeah, because it's on Game Pass, I was like, why not? So I, I tried a couple hours of it. I am not going to stick with it. I kind of bounced off of it. But all the things you're saying are true, right? Like, it's gorgeous. It looks really good. Um, the combat is interesting. And the it's really that core gameplay mechanic about being able to, like, go into the past and the future. So you have this little frog, and you can kind of send him into the past or the future to interact with things on your behalf. And yeah. my favorite part about the game that granted i only played like two hours of it but my favorite part was like taking the frog and sending him to the past and see him become a tadpole and then sending him to the future and seeing him become like an old cranky frog and it's just it's so good it's like so well done um but yeah it ended up being a lot a lot more like talking and puzzling than i wanted i didn't like the balance it was striking between how much like combat and open world exploration versus how much is just like dialogue and like solving time puzzles in a town so i ended up bouncing off of it but i i totally see the things that you're talking about and i agree with everything you said it's just kind of what kind of player are you 
Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. It's uh, do you want how much time do you want to spend doing X, Y, or Z, and uh, see what proportion this game has? Because there is, it, it will be fantastic for a very sizable portion of the audience, and then it will not have enough of something else for for another sizable portion. So it's worth checking out for sure, especially since it's on Xbox Game Pass. Yes, for sure. Um, I have a bunch of random stuff, but before that, I want to mention we are part of a network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe. And we've been trying to give a little bit more shout outs to other people in the network. So I'm going to say if you like the kind of stuff we put out and you're a little bit sad that we're only doing every other week these days, I would go look at Geektitude because Geektitude is just knocking it out of the park lately with Joe and Ray. Um, Joe Hogan and Ray Vargas are the hosts. And they're talking geeky stuff that, like similar to what we do. They don't do as many video games. They do more movies and comic books and a lot of other geeky things. But I love listening to their discussion every week. And they're very consistently putting out content every single week. So that's another great podcast on the network. Um, besides all the other stuff we have on the network, we also have the digital magazine. What is the latest with that? Um, we are still in the sequel month of uh, the year. So sequel month of the year. It, we're working on our sequel issue because it is our second year of doing this digital magazine. Uh, it's all about games and gamers and everything that you love about gaming. We're doing all sorts of new stuff. Uh, we have Alinzia working on all sorts of like cool craft stuff. We have kids content uh, in there. It's just taken, off, taken on a life of its own. Uh, so you can go to patreon.com slash to Geekcast. And, you know, I was, I mentioned it uh, also. A lot of the staff does stuff on the Geek to Geek network. So you can check out Alinzia on the Nerdberg Review podcast. Um, you can also listen to her and uh, Todd, uh, her brother, and the DM of one of the shows on As the Dice Roll, who is also uh, has Joe from Geek Dude on it and Kelly from the Mating Habits of the Modern Geek. Like we have all sorts of awesome stuff that y'all are not listening to. Or actually, if you are listening to it, tell your friends about doing it so tell more friends tell more people we got awesome stuff um for me this week like i said i've been playing a bunch of games and just kind of like game adjacent thoughts around a couple of things too <laughs> um but so i i gave pokemon unite a shot um with my kids and it's out on switch right now it's coming out on mobile later it's right. fun to play with my kids in short bursts um it's a 5v5 moba so you know if you've ever played a moba before you'll pick it up instantly if you haven't played a moba before like um dota or league of legends or any of those type of games um this is a very good onboarding point because it's meant to be beginner friendly you know it's aimed at ki yep. at kids and the other thing that's huge for this one is that um rounds are 10 minutes max that is the thing that turns me off of all the other mobas out there is like if you want to play league of legends or dota whenever you queue up you're basically committing to like 35 to 45 minutes and that's just a yeah. huge time commitment that i don't want to do these days um when i boot up pokemon unite it's like 10 minutes max that's it it's you know that you're in and out and you can move on with your night or queue up for another one and that's probably the best feature of the game is how short the matches are while still feeling like a complete match um there's lots of Pokemon characters in it, which is a benefit for it. I mean, they have the whole Pokemon IP to draw on. But the main thing that's different here, um, or I guess the similarity is you have lanes, you're trying to push down the lanes, you know, to get towards the enemy base more. But 
in this one, the twist on it is that you um, fight like neutral Pokemon on the map that are not your enemy or they're not your uh, mm-hmm. other team you're competing against. And by defeating them, you get these Unite Balls. They're like Pokeballs that are special Unite Balls. And then you have to take those to your opponent's zone and you actually have to go like dunk it in their zone to score points. And so that's yep. how you win the game is to just like build up points. Have you played this at all? Yeah, I played it. Uh, I think I got like three days of the uh, login rewards, uh, but it's fun. Like, I'm not a big MOBA fan, like, which is why I've bounced off of it pretty quickly. But what it is, is probably the most accessible MOBA I've played. Yes. That uh, if you've ever wanted to get into it and figure out, like, boil it down to what makes this a genre and see if you really, really like it or really, really don't. This is the one to do it with because it is the simplest and most accessible that the genre has ever been. Yeah, and I just it makes me wish that we had other MOBAs that were like five to ten minute rounds, you know, like just rounds that were so much shorter that don't require this huge time commitment because I'm an adult. I don't have the same free time I used to have. Like, I don't mind jumping into 40 minutes worth of matches when each one is like a 10 minute commitment. But if I have to sit down and say, okay, I'm doing nothing else for the next 40 minutes with no breaks, I can't do that very often. My kids need things. I have to make dinner. Like, you know, stuff comes up. Um, So I think that's just, that was why I wanted to talk about it is because on its own, it's a decent beginner MOBA and it's a good onboarding point. But also that idea of just like changing the game length for all the other MOBAs out there really got my mind going. Yeah, I much, much prefer those kind of quick in and out games to anything that lasts over half an hour. If I know it's going to be that long, I probably won't play it at all. Yeah, understandable. Unless I'm, you know, I'm settling in for an RPG, something like that. That's different. But even then, I want to be able to suspend it. If it's going to be a real time multiplayer thing, I'm not going to play it if I know it's going to be a long, long experience and I can't get out of it if something comes up. Yeah, and you know, I've been I didn't even put it in my notes here, but I've been kind of playing a little bit of Fortnite this season. Okay. And it it's similar thing there where I don't mind jumping into a solo match of Fortnite and knowing that like if I want to, I can just charge right towards like the center of the circle and run into a bunch of people and probably get killed in like 30 seconds or a minute, right? Yep. Or if I manage to make it into the top 10 or 15, like maybe my match is going 20 or 25 minutes, but by that point I'm kind of like, "Oh, okay, this is cool. I'm invested." But just knowing that I don't have to be there for the entire time or I have ways of like, "Oh, let me go do something dumb and see if it works and I'll probably get knocked out." Um is so much more appealing to me because then it means I can step away and not worry about it. Yeah. And the same thing has happened to me with Fortnite. Like I haven't played this particular season, but it's one of those that I used that way as well, because I knew that like Jennifer might come in and be like, Hey, we need to do this. Can you do this for me? And I'm like, yeah, give me just a second to finish this match. And I charge directly at where I know people are. Yes. And it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. I have no chance of winning, but I might be able to have a couple of seconds of fun, like shooting somebody in the head or sniping them or something uh, as I move you know, toward the same amount of time that it would probably take me slightly more time than it would take me to actually just quit the game. Uh, Cause usually you're not far from where you can get to one of those uh, hot spots unless you're like not even, unless it's very, very beginning of the game and you haven't traveled at all. Yeah. And then you can always just dive at where everybody else is going and still get into a fight within 10 seconds and probably get killed in 30 and it's it's still fun anyway yeah i didn't even put fortnite in my notes but i've been playing a little bit of it um another thing that i did play that i want to talk about was final fantasy 7 
Intermission Intergrade, which uh, I'm yeah. pretty sure is the name of the Yuffie expansion. But they have I cannot remember what it is at any point. Like I have to either ask Austin or look it up whenever I'm talking about it. So you have episode intermission intergrade <laughs> something. Yeah, it, it I don't know what it is. The you're naming good, is you're... stupid, but it's yes. um I think the way it goes is Final Fantasy Seven in it's something one of the ones is the ps5 remake and then the other one is the dlc so or not the remake but the ps5 version of the remake yes um so i figured out how to import my save data over and instantly got like 40 achievements which was hilarious to me <laughs> um and the thing is like on ps5 it takes a screenshot every time you get one or i have yep. mine set up to do that anyway so every screenshot i have from final fantasy 7 because i loaded that save data once is just the home screen it's like the title menu of the game oh goodness yeah it's hilarious anyway but i jumped over and i did the the yuffie chapters um so it gives you like two chapters which is the dlc side story for you right. yuffie yuffie i always forget i um, think it's yuffie I've always yeah. said Yuffie, but I, every time I hear anyone actually say it, it's Yuffie. So I go with that, but it I, it's not the way that I pronounced it when I was 14. Yeah, and it was it was okay. It's it's a little mini campaign. Um, I, I don't know. It gave me a little bit more taste of the combat, but it just felt so minor compared to having played the actual game where there's so much to dig into. Um, uh. And it was decent. I know a lot of people who absolutely loved it. I didn't feel that strongly about it, but I liked it. You know, I liked my four or five hours with it. It didn't actually take that long um, because it's only two chapters, you know. Um, And so the thing I will say is that there's more characterization for Yuffie than all of like Final Fantasy VII, the base game, ever had for her. Because she was always a side character that was optional, you know. Yeah, she was just there. Like, I have no feelings one way or the other toward Yuffie. Yeah, when I saw that this was a an expansion for Yuffie and an experience to to expand on that character, I'm like, I don't know anything about that character as it is. Like, I don't remember why she joined your party, and so I never got excited for this. Like, I still haven't played it because I haven't gotten excited for it. Yeah, and I feel like I know more about her and understand her better as a character after my four hours with this DLC than I did after my 40 hours with the actual Final Fantasy 7 game, like the original, because she's kind of a nothing character in that, right? She's a ninja that steals materia. That's her entire character. Like, she never really gets development because she's optional, Um, whereas this is all about her for four hours, and so you get a bunch of details around her and her personality and, you know, who she is as a person. I actually forgot that she was optional, that I thought you had to get her, but I just thought they didn't build... uh build her out very much i completely forgot that she was optional no her and vincent are both completely optional in ff7 you never have to get them yeah yeah i knew vincent was i actually had i really had forgotten you if he was yeah um and then you know (laughs) the other thing i'll say is that they add a couple bonus scenes at the end of this one that are the main crew from the final fantasy 7 remake after the credits of like where final fantasy 7 remake stops and so okay you get just a little bit it's like two minutes worth of content um don't go if you if you want all of the content from those main characters from the main game you do not have to pay the 15 or 20 dollars to get this expansion just go watch a youtube video of the two minute clip of what happens after it's funny it's just them talking while they're walking on the road to calm because like 
if you know the FF7 story, that's where they're headed next now that they've left Midgar, right? Yeah. So it's just them walking on the road between Midgar and Calm and just talking. And it's just a funny like two, two and a half minute clip. So I liked that a lot too. It was a nice little bonus at the end. Okay, I'll do that. Now I finished the 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 main game and I really enjoyed it, but I would love to see what that what that is because I'm really interested to see where they go with the next version of this, the next actual game of Final Fantasy VII remake, interlude, exograph, whatever yeah. they're gonna call it. Yeah, it's good. Um, and then the other thing that I looked at and I've been thinking about is the Steam Deck. So I know this is kind of old news because, yeah. again, we missed a couple of recording sessions because life got in the way. But um, I put down a pre-order on the Steam Deck. and Did you? Yeah. So my thinking was I, I didn't want it on day one because I wanted other people to get the hardware first and mm-hmm. let me know if it's good or not. I want to see the real reviews. I want to see real hands-on feedback after getting burned a little bit from like the Steam controller and the Steam link and just like never actually using those. Um, yeah. But what happened was within a couple hours of it going live, they started bumping back the pre-order dates. So it was like the people who were there on minute one were getting them for like, oh, you're going to get this in Q4 of 2021. And then by a few hours later, when as I was looking at it, it was like, well, you can pre-order now, but you're not going to get it until like Q1 of next year or or the beginning of Q2 next year. And I kind of went, Oh, oh, wow. That's perfect. That's exactly what I want. I want to get in the second round of hardware so that if I change my mind, I can cancel my pre-order. <laughs> so That's a good point. That's what I did. I put down the $5, and at the end of the day, if I lose the $5 because I don't want to buy the hardware, it's no big deal. It's 5 bucks, you know? Yeah, like that is that is awesome that they did that. I didn't realize that the... I didn't realize that you had to put the $5 down to do it. And I didn't realize that they had pushed the back, the different rounds of it releasing. Yeah, I, so I hadn't seen that they'd done that. I think mine is tech. It's somewhere Q1 ish of next year, but I will not have one to talk about by the end of this year, by end of the year episode. And that's okay. Cause I don't actually want to be in that very first round. I want other people to give the world feedback on it first before I make up my mind on whether I want to spend the money. But the reason I was interested in it is because I find myself less and less drawn to PC games. As much as I love PC games, sitting at a computer and using a mouse and keyboard in my free time when I'm working, especially now, this time of year, I'm working like 70 hour weeks because it's the job I have. Granted, it goes down to more like 55 hours in my slow season, but even then, it's a lot of time in front of a computer in a week. Um, yeah. And I, I like to sit back. I like to sit back on a couch or with like a handheld device, or I like to have a controller that's not a keyboard and a mouse. And what I found is that like I see a lot of because you know I follow so much gaming news out there right um because that in itself is a hobby for me it's like knowing what's going on in the gaming world there are so many interesting indie games that have controller support but they're on steam and I don't want to sit in front of my computer in my free time but if I had them on a handheld device that I could go sit on my couch and play the latest indie game on steam I'd probably do that so much more than I am right now so that was my thinking there is like, I don't want a steam deck to play the latest and greatest game on it. I don't want to play a high end AAA game on a steam deck controller. I want to play the latest indie game that has like no processing power and it takes up no space on the hard drive. Like those are the ones that I want to play when I'm sitting on my couch because they haven't come out on switch yet and they haven't come out on PS4 yet, but they're out on PC. So that's where I'm landing. We'll see if I actually end up keeping the pre-order, but that's kind of my thinking as of right now. 
And that makes complete sense to me to do it like that. When you saw that they're pushing back pre-orders, that makes 100% sense on why you would go ahead and put the uh, the money down on it. It's actually the Steam Deck is actually the reason I got the backbone whenever I thought about it. Oh. Because the Steam Link app actually works really, really well on mobile. But having a controller makes it actually usable because it's not playable on just a phone playing a pc game on your phone using a touch screen is not good but having the controller on there really is great so because i don't generally play anything outside of the house working from home you know the apocalypse things like that it's perfect for me to just be able to leave my computer on and walk out of the room and load up in the living room and play whatever game I have on Steam where I can access the Steam sale that way. And I've had no problem so far with the streaming quality or play in either Xbox Game Pass or uh, the Steam Link app on my phone using the backbone. So it was the Steam Deck that made me actually think about that as being a real possibility because I'm like, I don't want to pay that much for it because i don't know how much i would use it but i would surely pay the hundred bucks for a backbone and uh do it occasionally so it made me give another company money rather than them but i love the idea of finally being able to play my pc games because i'm the same way that you are it's like i don't want to sit at my computer and play them after being at my computer all day long but the steam deck is the perfect answer for that especially if you're you prefer, you know, loading it up and going somewhere, the actual portability of it. I just care about the handheld nature. Yeah. And so that got me thinking about the fact that like, it's not really at the PC versus not at the PC. It's that I don't want to be playing on mouse and keyboard, right? Because it feels too right. much. Part of it is feels too much like work. Part of it is like, I'm in that posture all day and like, I need a different posture so that my yeah, muscles no. don't kill me because I'm getting older. And the other thing is, I noticed recently that as I have been trying to play PC games, um, my wrist just hurts. And it's not an RSI issue. It's because I broke my arm when I was 19 and I'm getting older. And so it just hurts more these days. And there's something about the way I hold my mouse specifically when I'm gaming that's not true of when I'm working. Because I can work all day on the computer and I don't have any wrist pain. But as soon as you put me into a game where I'm using like mouse look, I hold my I hold my mouse differently and it just hurts. Huh. Um, and so I noticed that because I was trying to get back into Final Fantasy 14 because the last expansion, not the last expansion, but the next expansion is coming out in November. I'm behind right. on the patch content. And this is the last expansion of this story arc that they've had going on for like, is it 10 years now since it came out? It can't be 10 years. It might be getting it's- close approaching it's, it since the original one came out yeah i don't it's think been it's been 10 years since i don't think it's been 10 years since a realm reborn launched yeah but it might have been 10 years since version one the the garbage one that they had to remake <laughs> but um because yeah a realm reborn is um so yeah a realm reborn i just looked it up is 2013 so almost like we're getting close to 10 years right by the time this comes out we'll be at like eight years about um so it is it is getting there. It's been a story and like I'm invested in this story. It's probably my fi- my favorite Final Fantasy story at this point because it's so in depth and they keep picking up the threads, right? Like threads that they touched on in A Realm Reborn are now coming up in expansion packs 6 7 years later and it's incredible. And I love Final Fantasy 14, but I sat down because they had a free 2 week thing that's going on right now 
where you can jump in if you've ever played before and as soon as you log in the first time it's like okay you have 14 days of game time and then if you want to keep playing you have to pay um right so which is a fantastic thing when mmos do it's a wonderful wonderful thing and i love them forever for doing that with different games yeah and it's great and ff14 is kind of having a resurgence right now um some of the friends and acquaintances and people that i know that i play with are playing with right now and i was like okay i'll jump back in because i need to catch up on patches because i'm sitting at Mm -hmm. the end of the last expansion which is 5.0 and i need to play 5.1 through 5.55 to get caught up before the next expansion and so i started and i would play for like an hour and then my armor just hurt and so what i've been doing is um i'm trying to teach myself how to play this game with a controller and it's just like all my muscle memory is broken (laughs) because (laughs) i've been playing this for you know six years now seven years however long we decided that it's been out um on mouse and keyboard i i have all the muscle memory to do this as a hot bar mmo i have zero muscle memory for trying to do this on a controller and i'm trying to play a max level character with a full rotation and oh yeah i tried the same thing yeah it is interesting and it has been a challenge but i'm getting there and i'm proud of myself because i can play with a controller for hours and hours and hours and i have no pain whatsoever so it's been a challenge the reason that i bounced off of final fantasy 14 the last time that i played it that i subscribed is because i tried it with a i didn't like the mouse and keyboard i was really tired of that posture like you said i'm working all day in that posture and i just wasn't having fun with my you know my neck hurt my shoulders i was hunching and it was it was not fun so i was like i'm gonna play with a gamepad all of my friends play with a gamepad and i'm like "Mm mm-mm can't do this. No, no, no. The gamepad is hard. I've never been able to play it with a gamepad. And again, going in with a, it wasn't max level, but it was the beginning of the expansion, like a few levels into the expansion. I'm like, "Mm, I can't, I can't control this. And I'm not going to sit at the, (laughs) I'm not going to sit at the computer hunched over. So it was, I get it. I understand your pain with the uh, learning of where are, what are these buttons? Like I, I never got good at it. Yeah, so where I'm at right now, I've played um, through 5.4, th- 5.3, 5.4 um, is where I'm at, and um, 5.1 and 5.2, those patches are kind of revisiting and wrapping up a lot of the more minor threads and minor characters from the main story of the last expansion. 5.3 really puts a bow on it in a super strong way, and I loved patch 5.3. It was amazing. It felt like the true end to Shadowbringers um, was in that patch, and you kind of had to get through 5.1 and 5.2 to get there, but 5.3 was amazing, and then... um, I just beat uh, 5.4 the other night, and it was okay. It was starting to do more setup for the next expansion. But I can tell that, like, what I have left in front of me um, for, like, 5.5 and 5.55, I think, are the two in front of me. Um, <laughs> they must be the rest of the setup, and it, it's it got to get stronger, you know, because it leads right into the expansion from there. And I've switched over to almost completely using the controller, Um, I still use the mouse and keyboard to type and sometimes if I'm doing a bunch of like inventory management I will switch back over to mouse and keyboard mode just because it's easier for me but when I'm actively like engaging with the game moving around fighting in dungeons and stuff I'm playing 100% with the controller and it had like I said it was a huge challenge to switch over but I'm super glad that I made the switch because I can play it and enjoy it so much more now oh good like that was that, that's always been my thing about not being able to play it comfortably. 
uh, is because of the the gamepad. But all of my friends do. Like now, all of my friends I know who play it play with a gamepad <laughs> uh, because it's just. Uh, a, a, I've been told that it's very comfortable, but I've never liked the way hotbar and crossbar combat works on on uh, controller ever since I started playing DCUO on the PS3. Yeah, it's just it feels weird. It Yeah, crossbar combat's weird, but I found the main thing for me is um, macros. Macros are super important mm. because I can condense a bunch of buttons down to one like controller input. Um so that's how I got around it. It was instead gotcha. of flipping between different pages of the crossbar and trying to find what I was searching for, it just wasn't working. And I was like, well, a lot of these things are like, you know, these are a bunch of just like heavy damage dealing things that I can only do during certain parts of my um, cycle. I'm just going to put all those on one button and just hate it whenever it feels appropriately correct like approximately correct and then all of these things are like my oh no button where it's like damage mitigation Ah. self-heal like all that kind of stuff and so i put all of those onto a different one macro that does like four or five different things so if i'm in trouble i just like spam that button really quick so that makes sense what class are you playing uh bard is still my main Okay. And then um, I got my brother back into Final Fantasy fourteen because I was talking about it, and he never got out of a Realm Reborn. He was, like, halfway through Realm Reborn. And okay. so I got him back into it, and then I helped him figure out where he was in the story, um, got him past a couple hurdles because it's really confusing when you're a new player in this game, you know? And mm-hmm. um, now he's in dungeon content. And so I spun up – or I, I – I had this character, but I didn't have him very far, but I had the job of Paladin in like the high 20s. And so I was like, my brother probably needs a tank because he's playing a DPS. So I'm just going to try to level this Paladin as he's leveling his DPS class. And um, so we've been playing together there too. So I'm playing Bard as I'm doing my main story, and then I'm flipping over to Paladin to play with him. So I have both of those set up on controller and they're different, but I'm, I'm managing for both of them. I could see how Paladin would work a little easier than uh, than Bard on on controller too by being able to, the way it tanks. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, the Paladin is so much easier to do on controller than Bard. Bard is a lot of buttons. I was trying Red Mage as my main one on controller, and I wanted to pull my hair out. It was I just bet. entirely too many, entirely too much input in the right order. Learning a learning a new input method and then my other main was a white mage and that wasn't any easier yeah and i i feel less and less drawn to hot bar combat mmos in general these days i actually wouldn't mind if final fantasy 14 did like another pass through the game and just cut out about half of the abilities for each class i don't think you actually need them like it's fine without them it doesn't have to be complicated rotations the fun is seeing all the mechanics of the bosses and reacting to those you don't actually need like five different versions of things that do a big damage spike or whatever you know they did one pass like that already to clean it up so it's significantly better than it was uh but yeah another one would be great yeah um so that's a lot of what i've been doing also i ended up talking about pre-orders um i pre-ordered a play date because they look uh fun and interesting and i figure i'm paying for the experience not for the hardware i don't think i would pay the amount if you guys don't know what the play date is it's a black and white screen kind of has like almost original game boy vibes but it's modern hardware it has a d-pad two buttons and then it has a crank because why not they're just trying something new so they also have a crank as an input method um 
And if you just Google Playdate game, I'm sure it'll pop up as the top result. And I pre-ordered one because their whole thing is that they got a bunch of well-known, well-respected indie developers to come and make games for this thing. And so you're not just buying the hardware the way you would with like a Game Boy. You're buying the Playdate and also the first season of content comes with it. And so the season of content, the way that it's going to work is that... um, on your new game day, which they say is going to be the same thing for the same day for everyone. So let's just say it's Wednesday. I don't know if they've actually announced what it is yet. But every Wednesday, you will get the next two games in the season until you have all 24 games. So you're signing up for 12 weeks worth of two new games every single week. And it's kind of a surprise as to what they are and how they'll control because no one's played them yet. And they don't have to really do any marketing or advertising or give away what the games are because they're selling you on the concept of the hardware and the developers. So they've announced the names of the games, but there's almost no footage of any of these actually playing. And that makes me so excited because I don't know what I'm going to get. So I basically bought myself a surprise package that's going to show up sometime in Q4. And I'm really excited for that. And I can complete you were you and I were texting about this one and I it took a lot for you to convince me that this was a a smart idea to do and it's like I don't see I am 100% not the target audience for this no that, but I am uh, you are absolutely perfect for this particular platform because it's how you like to play games anyway that you like go you like going through every single Apple Arcade game. Yeah. That kind of thing and seeing what they all are. So this is perfect for you and it's quirky. And it's quirky and it's for people that have a respect for handheld hardware and older hardware too. Like yep. I have so many good memories of Game Boy and Game Boy Color and literally every Nintendo handheld that's oh, ever yeah. existed, right? This scratches that itch. And the other thing is like even though it looks like not a lot with like you know, it's a it's a black and white screen. It's um, a crank and it's a couple buttons and a D-pad, but it has modern hardware, right? Like the hardware is actually really well made and um, it has Wi-Fi. It has Bluetooth. It has all the things you would expect. So if it does well, I don't think we're just going to get one season of 24 games. I think they're going to turn around and recruit a bunch of developers to do season two. And then you can buy season two and get another 24 games. Like that's what I'm looking forward to. But one way or another, I kind of did the mental math and said, okay, don't think about this as you're paying this hardware cost because it's probably not worth it for the hardware. Think about this cost as you're paying for 12 weeks worth of experience. And that was interesting for me and worth the money. So I'll report yeah. back when I get it and when I actually start getting the games week to week, but it should be interesting one way or another. Yeah, the week to week games is actually when you had me on this being something that that was worth it for you. If it was just stacked on there all at once and you play through them, be like, okay, I'm done. The, uh, you know, in a day or so, it doesn't feel like it would be. And there's nothing that you like, then it seems like it would be a real miss. Yeah. But having that anticipation for it does seem like something that would be a fantastic way for you to spend your money. Yeah, I want to look forward to new game day every week for 12 yeah. weeks at least. I mean, that'll be fun. Um. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about is I actually played a tabletop RPG, and I don't know if I told you about it. Did I? Uh, you might have, because I see okay. it in the notes, and I can't remember if you told me you played it or if I'm just, I know us talking about it from yeah. uh, the Adventure Zone. So the but quiet yeah, so. year is what I've been playing. Have you ever played it? No, I okay. have not. Um, 
it's fun. It's really fun. I've been playing it as a standalone game with my kids. And okay. um, I've seen Friends at the Table has used Quiet Year a couple times to like build a world or build part of a world and then launch an actual season of a campaign in it. I know right. other friends who play D&D who have done that, who've used this to like generate a town or generate a country or generate a world that they're going to play D&D in. Um, the Adventure Zone just did that, right? They they did mm-hmm. a lot of like prequel and kind of world building in the Quiet Year, and now they're playing a D&D campaign in it. Um, but it's totally fine as just a standalone game as a way to tell a story and i like it because it's so freeform and you don't have any characters there's not a whole lot of rules to it um or i say you don't have any characters as like you don't control one character you kind of control everybody in the community and you just make it up as you go along on your turn so you draw a card and it gives you a prompt and it's something that's happening in the community and you're playing through um, four seasons of a year, which is why it's called the quiet year. It's supposed to be a, a year worth of time in this community. And you're drawing right. a map. And it's not like you have to be a good artist or a detailed map maker. Um, you're just adding things to the map as you go along. And everybody at the table, because you're talking it through as you're doing it, understands what that thing on the map represents, right? So, yeah. like, we had a giant river next to like one tree. And in the tree was a <laughs> fox. Like, it's nothing is to scale, but we all knew what it meant. Um, And it's just so fun. It's fun to get these prompts and figure out like, oh, those are both good. Which one am I going to choose? And then how does that play in? And somebody else at the table could have made a character two turns ago or three turns ago. And then you just you're like, oh, okay, this character does that because you're all grabbing each other's characters or making up new characters on the spot or introducing new events or locations in the world or just like world building off the cuff. Um, And so every time we finished, I felt like that was like a satisfying game of world building in itself. Um, And because we're not trying to take it and then do a campaign afterwards, we can be a little bit more unstructured and a little bit more off the wall. Whereas I feel like if you were going to use it and then turn it into a campaign, you would need to put up some guardrails around it, depending on what kind of campaign you want to run afterwards. We don't have to do that at all. Right. Like we can have guinea pigs and foxes and like a world full of candy and, you know, like someone stealing things from the trees. And it's just it doesn't have to make sense. It can just be fun. Yeah, exactly. And that's the way the game was designed, that it was taken and adapted for world building for other tabletop games. But it was designed as an indie tabletop game to just tell this year's story of whatever community you're working with. That yeah. you create. And so I'm glad to, I'm glad to see somebody play it for what it is, like what it was actually made for outside of adapting it into something else. Yeah, so I'm glad so to hear that it actually still stands up for doing it, that on its own as well. It totally does. And like I did a couple just kind of like almost half test rounds with just like a deck of playing cards and looking at the PDF that I found online to see if it was worth yeah. it for me. And I was like, OK, I think. I would have fun with this with my kids. So I actually went and I bought the entire set from the the game developer, which you don't Ooh. have to do. I think you can kick them five bucks for the PDF. I went and I gave them $40 or $45 for like, give me all the cards nicely printed. Give me the tokens that come with it. Give me some dice, mm-hmm. you know, and like a nice printed rule book. And so I have all that as like a physical game now. And yeah, we've played it a couple times and I just, I love it. It's probably my favorite tabletop thing that we've done this year. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. Like, I'm glad to hear that that is that fun because I kind of got tired of listening to it as the Adventure Zone moved into their seer into their season. Um, I think it went on a little bit too long as a podcast. So I'm glad to hear that you know, actually, just playing through, it's not tedious. 
No, and I, as I was playing it, I was thinking about that. I actually think that it's way better as a game than it is as like a podcast game that you're playing yeah. for an audience. It's more fun when you're just in the moment with the people around the table. Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. Sorry, there's a lot of game stuff. I'm not sorry, but there's a bunch of game stuff for me this week. Um, you guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network like blogs, video game reviews, and our digital magazine on Patreon. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, y'all. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Comics. Movies. K-pop. Disney Plus. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. New. Or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu.